You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode seven of the Dogaritaville podcast. Today we are talking about hiking with your dog and drinking my personal favorite, sangria margaritas. For every episode, each of us does our best to create a delicious margarita around our theme. We post the recipes on Instagram so you can try them at home, and you can let us know if you have an idea for a theme. We'll keep you updated throughout the episode about how we feel about our drinks. We have different ideas of what makes the best sangria margarita, so our recipe is going to differ today, giving you some variety. For this episode, we consulted with hiking expert Kim Fisher, who is based in the Pacific Northwest. Kim can be found hiking the beautiful terrain of Washington State at least once a week, and often with her dog, Peach. Laura and I have lots of experience hiking with dogs as well, but the extra information from Kim is helpful and valuable, and also she is my mom. Hi, Mom. Uh, (laughs) So let's start with some of the things that you should consider before you head out. Hiking for most dogs is awesome. One of my dogs, Noble, does not like hiking. (laughs) I adopted him when I was doing pack hikes, and I was really excited for him to join, and he hates it. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't like it at all. And he also has very sensitive paws, so if we go on any sort of hike, even a short one, he tears up his paws every time. It's ridiculous. But hiking is super beneficial. I've seen it build confidence in really insecure dogs. Uh, And obviously, it's an amazing outlet for higher energy dogs because it's not only physical, but there is a lot of mental involved, too, just from one being in a new environment with plenty of like stimulus, but also just the additional training like recall and natural agility that's included in it adds in that mental as well. So super, super beneficial, but definitely not for every dog. So when we asked Kim what we should know before we go, this is what she had to say. You need to know if the land you're going to hike on allows dogs. So most uh, Bureau of Land Management land, which is the second most important BLM um, and state (laughs) forest. Yes. uh, (laughs) Most of those do allow dogs, but many state and national parks don't. So you just need to know before you go whether you can even bring your dog on this hike, which you can find out on alltrails.org, I think it is, or your state's trail association. And then you'll also want to know the leash laws of the area you're going to, whether you can have your dog off leash or need to keep the dog on the leash. All Trails, if you haven't used it, is like an awesome app. So it location tracks you. So like when I was doing pack hikes, wherever my last pickup was, I just pull up All Trails and it would show me all the trails closest to me and their rating and like their reviews, everything. Well, that's awesome. So if you're a beginning hiker or you just like hiking, I don't know, <laughs> download the All Trails app. It has its glitches, definitely, but like it's crazy useful. So I use it a lot when I travel because obviously I don't know the area. So yeah, All Trails is a really great app for hiking. And then like, like Kim said, make sure that where you're going allows dogs. I feel like I was the last person on earth to know that national parks are not very dog friendly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same I here. had like, I just, just like, yeah, we're hiking. Of course dogs are allowed. Like what? Right. You can't, you can't ban dogs from the wilderness. That's what I said to my husband. I was like, <laughs> so we tried to go to the Grand Canyon. This was a whole issue. So we tried to go <laughs> I to remember the Grand this. Canyon with Mooney and they wouldn't let us in with him. And I was like, this is the outdoors. He's from here. Like, <laughs> he should be allowed to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. I, um, growing up in Vegas, I went to Zion, like, my whole life, once a year or so. I always, like, never even crossed my mind. I, like, when I moved back and I started getting dogs, I was just like, oh, yeah, we'll have to go to Zion together sometime. I think in all of Zion, I want to say there's one, maybe two trails that dogs are allowed on. And they're not good trails. <laughs> And it's, like, out of the whole park. That's the only, like, what? I mean, I get it. It's a national park for a reason. And people are generally useless and don't follow any sort of rules. (laughs) So, like, I get it. But so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. So, Kim, what is your next tip for us? 
You should know how your dog responds to other dogs and hikers on the trail, as well as wild animals. Will your dog chase a squirrel off a cliff? How does your dog respond to horses if the trail allows horses? And so on. So generally speaking, if a dog has never seen a horse before, their reaction is not friendly. Yeah. That's <laughs> happened to me twice where I've run into horses on trails and the dog, like either like at least one of the dogs that I'm with are like, absolutely not. <laughs> what sort of hell beast is this? Let's get it out of here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely something to consider. Yeah. And then um, it's also important to think about how your dog will respond to other dogs and hikers on the trail. Of course, you can always hike with your reactive dog, but you just want to make sure that you're going somewhere. If your dog is going to be reactive to dogs and people where the trail is wide. So if you're going somewhere with a narrow trail, there's, you know, if you can't step off of a cliff in order to avoid passing a dog, then you probably shouldn't take your dog to that trail. It's insane how few, like, spacious trails there are, I guess. Because I was always looking for the widest trails because, obviously, that's a big consideration. And when you have six dogs, it's hard to get out of the way. And it's it's really difficult to find trails that are wide enough for, like, either a pack of dogs or reactive dogs. Yeah. Or at least in Las Vegas it is. I guess we're not very wilderness-y. I don't know. <laughs> and especially on trails with any sort of elevation, like I feel like those trails are often mm-hmm. really narrow. And then if you're going to try to get off the trail, it's like literally a cliff. Yeah. So you can't. Right. If you're from Vegas, there's a really nice trail, uh, Lower Bristle Cone up in Mount Charleston, that's super wide and it's pretty phenomenal. And then Lily, when you came to town, we did the railroad tracks out in Boulder City and that's pretty wide as well. Super busy though. So don't take your reactive dog there. <laughs> Yeah, there were lots of... Um, there were lots really, of reactive dogs there. <laughs> really reactive dogs. Can't recommend yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> uh, lower bristle cone is usually not too busy. You just have to be cautious because it does allow uh, mountain bikes, which is cool. <laughs> and another really good thing to think about. Yeah. Because a lot of dogs are afraid of things on wheels. So yeah. if you're going to be passing a lot of bikes, that's an issue too. Yeah, one of my favorite trails is... It's, I think it's honestly more of a mountain biking trail than a hiking trail. I don't think it's necessarily even meant to be a hiking trail, which is probably why I like it so much. <laughs> and it's it's tough, especially because it gets busy. And it's like every five seconds I'm having to move eight dogs off the trail pretty quickly. <laughs> so that's a little cumbersome. But And then also, too, as far as animals go, like out here, we have to worry about rattlesnakes a lot. Um, so that's something to be super, super conscientious of. Well, your dog might survive. It is a very hefty bill and it is not fun for anyone. Yeah. So just be cognizant of that. Next up, you should know whether you're able to carry your dog out if he gets injured and have some sort of backup plan if you can't. That is my biggest fear. Yeah. Because Well, because Noble and Doobie are so big. Yeah. I can't care. Like, even if I somehow got them on my shoulders, I wouldn't make it a mile, much less more than that. (laughs) Yeah. I did see some, like, Instagram ad or something that was, like, uh, a harness with, like, kind of like a body wrap. And it was specifically built for taking dogs uh, out of hiking situations. It was some sort of, like, vet wrap thing that, like, wrapped around their whole abdomen and then had handles that you could put over your shoulder. And it was built for big dogs. So I thought wow. that was pretty cool. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember I looked it up and it wasn't... I mean, it was expensive, but it wasn't, like... It was under 100 bucks. And I was like, that's probably worth it if you hike a lot, honestly. Yeah. And, well, I asked my mom, like, what a backup plan would be, like, if you can't carry your dog out. And she said that if she's going somewhere, especially if she's not sure she's going to have cell phone reception, she'll tell someone, most Mm -hmm. likely my stepdad, like, if I'm not home at this time, I need you to come to the trail with a stretcher or, or, you know, a gurney or something to come and get me and Peach out. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because Peach is pretty big, yeah. Yeah, she's probably about 65 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, 65 pounds, I'm pretty confident I could carry that out if I needed to. Just because, like, the longest hikes I go on are, like, four miles. So, God willing, I don't get stuck at the... It doesn't happen at the end of the (laughs) the trail. But, like, 65 pounds, I feel like I could probably carry that out. Not... It wouldn't be pretty, but I could do it if I had to. Yeah. But a lot of my dogs nowadays are well over that. (laughs) 
<laughs> it wouldn't end well. And then our last tip from Kim. If you're going to an off-leash area, does your dog have a good enough recall to stay with you and stay on the trail? I don't know how not to turn this part into a rant. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a whole section about leashes at the end if you want to save it, um, if it will fit there. Oh, yeah. Well, so for this one, I think I'll just say, like, I was super shocked because in Vegas, everywhere is on leash. Like, there aren't any off-leash hiking areas. But when I was in Salt Lake City, we went on a trail, and there's literally a big sign at the beginning of the trail that's like, it was something crazy where, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are mountain bikers and dogs have to be on leash, but Tuesday and Thursdays, mountain bikers are not allowed and dogs are allowed off leash. Oh. Which is a very elaborate system. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, the city spent some time on this? Like, what? <laughs> what? Which is, I mean, it's really cool. I've just never seen anything like that before. So I'm kind of interested for people's experiences with that around the country. Because in Vegas, like, whether you're in Red Rock or Mount Charleston or Boulder City, it does, it's all dogs have to be on leash. End of story. Nobody listens, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested. If you live in a different state, let us know kind of what your, your leash laws are for hiking areas. Because I'd never seen anything like that. And I literally took a picture of the sign when I was in Salt Lake because I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That's another good reason to look at whether where you're going allows leashes or not, because it's not just what are you allowed to do, but it's what others are allowed to do. So if you have exactly. a reactive dog who needs to be on leash, you will, I mean, wherever you go, someone's going to have their dog off a leash. Just like be ready for that. But if you're going specifically to an off leash area, that is going to be much more difficult for your dog to handle. Well, and regardless of um, whether or not they're allowed on or off leash, like Kim said, make sure it has a good recall. Yeah. Because you're going to have some big problems, whether it be a wild animal or your dog just runs off indefinitely or whatever it is. Like, if your dog's going to be off leash, it has to have a recall, period. Yep. End of story. No exception. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's important to know the area that you're going to be in. So whether it's where the trail goes or how it's rated as far as easy, moderate, hard, and also what sort of terrain you're dealing with. Is it a bunch of tiny rocks that are going to get in your dog's paws? Or is it red dirt and you have a white dog? <laughs> uh, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> and then consider what sort of wild animals or wildlife that you're going to encounter. For instance, in Montana, I thought bears, like everybody talks about bears and having bear spray, but I'm from the desert. So what the hell do I know? And I was just like, oh, yeah, you might run into a bear. Sure. There was a bear in our front yard. <laughs> so there's definitely like I you have to have bear spray with you. And I even got the dogs bear bells so that they when we go out there on their collars. And then you need to be cognizant of conditioning. Uh, if your dog's never been on a hike before, you can't just take it on an eight mile hike the first time out. <laughs> Some dogs, I'm sure you could get away with it, but still probably not a good idea. Like, Charlie could have hiked eight miles the first time, no problem, but it probably would have torn up his pads because his pads aren't used to it, right? So yeah. even if you have a high-energy dog, you still have to take conditioning into account for sure, build up their stamina, build up their paws. Uh, and then it's always a good idea, I think Kim touched on this earlier, to make sure to let someone know where you're going. I don't necessarily give a time frame of when I'm going to be back because I get easily distracted, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I always let them know like where I'm going and that sort of thing, just in case. Cool. So that's a little bit of information about what to know before you go on a hike with your dog. We'll take a break here. And when we get back, we'll talk about what to bring on your hike with your dog. Margarita check. Laura, how did you make your sangria margarita? I'm just so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't remember from episode one, this is Laura's gateway into the world of margaritas. It's just the greatest thing that ever was. <laughs> I, I just, that's all there is to it. Um, so I was very excited to do this. And so I prepared and <laughs> outsourced my sangria. Um, so I didn't want to just buy sangria. I don't make anything. 
whether it be food or drink. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I'm not really allowed in the kitchen. So that wasn't an option. And I didn't want to buy like shitty box sangria or something. So I posted on Facebook and was like, hey, is there, are there any restaurants in town that have good sangria, like fresh sangria that I can maybe pick up from? Uh, and my friend Jen was like, my family takes sangria very seriously, and I will make you some. And I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I still am. Uh, <laughs> so I got homemade fresh sangria that is freaking amazing. Do you know what kind of fruit is in it? So I trialed it last night. I know that there are strawberries, pineapples, green apples. I think there's grape. Uh, I mean, it's all soaked in wine, so <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that's everything, uh, but that is for sure involved. Uh, but I guess she makes a bunch of different kinds, and she just made this kind because it was her sweetest. Which good call because the trial run I did yesterday it was pretty sour. The margarita, not the sangria, obviously. But yeah, it's amazing. She even got, like, these fancy plastic wine bottles to send it home with me. It was amazing. Oh. Uh, I know. She's my favorite person on earth now. So the sangria I did to do the blended lime, I did two ounces of tequila, one ounce of triple sec, but it's generous. (laughs) It was a generous (laughs) ounce. Because yesterday, like I said, the blended part was pretty sour. So I did a generous ounce of triple sec. I only did four juice limes today because the recipe I was going off of yesterday said four to six, and I ended up doing five, and I thought maybe that contributed to the level of sour as well. So I only did four today. Yeah, that seems like kind of a lot. I thought so too. I was at the grocery store, and I brought bought a dozen limes, and I was like, this feels excessive. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically every trip to the grocery store for us because we go through so yeah. many cocktails. <laughs> I know. So I don't go to the grocery store normally i just instacart like once a week uh and so every week i get a bag of limes but i am going out of town this week so i didn't instacart so i had to go get my limes for this it was cumbersome Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then i did a generous two teaspoons of agave again because it was really sour yesterday Uh, and then i blended all that poured the sangria on top and she also, when she gave me the sangria, she gave me a Tupperware of the soaked fruit, which I was super stoked about because Lily always beats my ass when it comes to garnish. <laughs> she always like has this fancy decor and I'm like, yeah, bro, I just threw it in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally have pretty garnish in the form of soaked fruit. But yeah, today, I'm glad I trial run it yesterday because today is significant. I mean, yesterday was good, but today is significantly better and it is delicious. Awesome. How did you make yours? Because I was kind of surprised that we were doing it differently. Yeah. So as you can see, I have so much garnish on this. <laughs> Is it just straight? You did it on the rocks? I did. Oh, that would have never crossed my mind. And you did a white. So I guess I should mention my sangria was red. Yeah. Yours is not. Yep. So um, I did not make mine pretty at all today. I did I did the, the classic Laura, just threw it right in the glass and... I'm drinking it. So I knew how how you would make yours because I know which one you like. <laughs> um, so I knew you would do the blended lime margarita and then the red sangria on top. So just for some variety for the listeners, I made a margarita sangria, which I don't know if that's against the rules. It's not technically a margarita. I'm not. I'm not going to enforce it. Okay, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I did a white sangria. Um, I did one bottle of two buck chuck Chardonnay because I'm very classy. I do kind of wish I had done the Pinot Grigio maybe because it's a little, uh, I don't know. It's not very sweet, which normally I don't mind, but I kind of want this to be sweeter. Yeah, I have the same problem. And then I did a half cup of tequila. Keep in mind, again, this is a whole picture. <laughs> this is not just for me. Um, a half cup of tequila, an eighth cup of triple sec, and then I just juiced one lime, and then I sliced two limes, one lemon, and one orange, and put that all in, and then kind of let it sit for a day. And then after it was done, I decided it wasn't sweet enough, so I just added some agave. Didn't measure it. Just kind of threw it in. And it's good. <laughs> <laughs> That that was not very convincing. 
I I it's wish good. that it was I wish it was sweeter. Um, which is not normal for me. Like usually if I have a problem with a cocktail, I, yeah, you're very you're very anti-sweet. Yeah. That usually my problem is that something's too sweet. But I think another problem is I picked a lot of fruits with like bitter rinds on them. And mm-hmm. so maybe if I had like peeled the fruits before I put them in, it would be better. But I think I can taste that bitter like orange peel, lemon peel, you know? Yeah, lime, lemon, orange is a not a very sweet combination. Yeah. Interesting. I want you. Uh, I guess you could have added apples. Maybe would have made it. You know, better. I did have an apple on my cutting board and decided not to do it. Should have done mm-hmm. it. Bush league. You clearly you didn't try to run this at all, like some of us. I did not. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we are on to segment two, which is what to bring on our hikes with our dogs. So Laura, why don't you start off with your list, and then I will supplement it with the things that Kim said that you didn't write down. Yeah, so I used to do pack hikes. Like I said, I've learned a thing or two about the essentials. <laughs> and mine include the Camelback is by far like my number one non-negotiable, especially out here in the desert. I need to make sure that, again, especially when I have a pack of dogs, that I have way more water than any of us could ever need. <laughs> So my camelback is not only for me, it's also for the dogs. I bring like a disposable bowl or whatever, but most of them just drink it out of the spout. I just spray it at them and they drink it that way. (laughs) (laughs) So super convenient. And I have a pretty big, bigger size camelback. So that definitely helps. And then probably more important, or at least equally as important, is my leash belt where all the dog's leashes are on carabiners and I just clip it to my belt. I just got a new one, the Ollie Dog Backcountry Day Bag, and it is phenomenal. <laughs> so you use that as a, the best. as a leash clip? Yeah. How? I just have carabiners on their leashes, and then I clip it onto the belt and lock it. Oh, so you just clip it over the strap? Yeah. Because, too, not only that, there's a couple different like lines of assurances, right? So not only is the carabiner locked, but it's also there's not one leash on each lock. So it's like if I have three dogs on my right, three dogs on my left, there's three dogs on each carabiner. So even if it broke, one, I would have enough time to grab it before it got off the carabiner to slide off the clip. Right. And then they're attached to two other dogs. So I I feel like I could catch them before (laughs) they got through all those obstacles. And then, like I said, if I have a dog that's not leash trained, which is pretty rare because I won't pack hike dogs that aren't leash trained, I make sure to have their leash in my hand, uh, which is part of why I do the leash belt so that then if I have a dog that's like a little bit more prey driven or something like that, I can keep my hand on that one dog and still have a hand free if I need it for some reason. Got it. But yeah, I am obsessed with it. Most of the like pack walkers and stuff that I see on Instagram, they just hold all the leashes in their hands and I'm like... I'd be dropping dogs left and right. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. So yeah, without the carabiners and stuff, I definitely could not do pack anything for sure. And then I haven't used it yet, but I just saw it. I don't know if it's new or if it's just new to me, but Roughware has a pack out bag that holds poop bags when they're full because I don't like the, I don't like to put it in my treat pouch. I feel like that's gross. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to carry it in my hand for four miles. Uh, and a lot of the trails here don't have trash. Some do and some don't. But like in Red Rock especially, a lot do not. But some sort of a solution for packing out full poop bags if there's not trash. And then deterrent is a big, big, big one. <laughs> um, so we already touched on like if you're in an area with wild animals, you need bear spray, that sort of thing. But also too, even just on like my neighborhood walks, but especially on my hikes, I always make sure to have a can of the red pet corrector spray. It's not, I mean, it's not a spray, but it's like a noise. Just for like off-leash dogs that aren't trained, which happens all the damn time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I have a pack of six dogs and your off-leash dog charges me, like the only way for me to protect your dog <laughs> is to pet correct it. Because uh, if it hits a pack of six dogs, it's not going to go well. Obviously... All my pack hikers are friendly, but they're not going to take kindly to a charging animal. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, deterrent is essential because people are assholes. Okay. (laughs) 
Um, so harnesses, I don't normally use them, but I do really like them for hiking. One of the times I went hiking with some friends, uh, we ended up not going on the trail that we were planning to go on. And the trail that we ended up on had a lot of big boulders. So we were having to, this was years ago. So Churchill was much younger and my, thank God we were with some guy friends. So they got to lift Churchill's 75 pound ass up these boulders because <laughs> he wasn't wearing a harness and he's not very athletic. So it was like, it was a good time. But so a harness is really useful. I like the roughwear ones quite a bit. I can't remember what it's called. One of them has a really nice handle. And I just saw a new one that they put out that's more for like pulling, which I really like. If you're going to do like a bike or something like that. But yeah, I think hiking is the perfect place for a harness for sure. And then Charlie too uses a long line. And I like if you're just hiking with one dog. uh, I mean, if you could do two long lines at once, you're better than me. Uh, (laughs) um, That sounds like a headache. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, But when I take Charlie out by himself, I really like the long line just because he gets to explore. He's much more athletic than I am. (laughs) And he's a freaking mountain goat who likes to climb like 30 feet in the air on boulders. So (laughs) I cannot get up there. (laughs) So uh, normally when I'm hiking dogs, I'll have them on like a 20 foot long line. But Charlie hikes on a 50 foot long line because he likes to climb. So yeah, long lines are, are fun if you just hike one dog, if you're a normal person and just have one dog. <laughs> and long lines are really helpful to have just for your everyday life too, because they can help you practice your recall in all sorts of places. Even if you, it's like a an area where you need a leash on your dog, you can still practice recall with that long line. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. So if you have an off-leash hiking area that you can use, but you need to train your dog to do it, the long line is the perfect way. Because then you have that assurance and that backup. And then if you're practicing on the long line, eventually you won't need it anymore. Yeah. And then last but not least, I always carry a little emergency kit. Just I just got a random one off of like Amazon or whatever. And it has a bunch of stuff. Tweezers, gauze, whatever, whatever. Uh, just basic first aid. And then I always add some quick stop. I don't know why. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why anybody would be bleeding. But it made me feel better. <laughs> Uh, And then I always make sure to have some food or heavier duty treats. I don't know why. I'm always worried about (laughs) about dogs like running out of energy or being hypoglycemic, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, those are my essentials for sure. So here is what Kim has to add to the list. First, a water bowl and water for your dog. So as Laura said, she uses her camelback for this. But I thought that it was an important thing to add onto the list because... Kim made a note that some trails have rivers and lakes. And so, you know, you might think like, oh, well, the dog can just drink out of that. But that's not necessarily safe for your dog to drink that water. So be sure to bring water specifically for your dog and then something that they can drink out of. Unless, you know, they'll drink out of a camelback spout like Lara's dogs do. Balto absolutely does not know what to do with something like that. (laughs) Yeah, there's one of my hikers, Pepper, will not, will not drink every time. I finally got her to. But like the first half a dozen hikes, she was like, why are you trying to torture me with this water? (laughs) I tried to get Belton to drink out of a hose the other day. And he just (laughs) like, he wasn't like insulted like Pepper sounds like she was. But he just like looked at me like, what? Like, (laughs) what? What? Like, what is this? Pepper is just convinced that I'm like going to bathe her with my camelback. I don't know. I don't know what she thinks is going to happen. Yeah, not drinking out of... I don't know what you would call it, wild water. (laughs) (laughs) Always a good idea. That's definitely how you get Giardia. Don't do it. (laughs) Next, a collar with an ID tag on it and a picture of your dog in case the dog gets lost. I would have never thought about that. Me neither. That's genius. That was a good idea. And I have pictures of my dogs on my phone all the time, so. Yeah, right. (laughs) But yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, all my dogs have collars with tags, but that would have never crossed my mind. And so it's a good, it's a good thing to put out there. (laughs) (laughs) Next on the list, obedience training. Which can mean different things depending on which dog you have and which trail you're going to. Obviously, we talked about if you're going to an off-leash area, your dog has to have recall. It's a good idea for your dog to have recall anyway, just in case the leash gets out of your hand somehow. 
But then there's also going to be maybe other instances where you might need, I don't know, a stay or something, like to let something pass or whatever it is. So it's a good idea to have your dog know some cues just in general, but before going on a hike as well. I just realized my sangria has kiwi in it. Are you not a kiwi person? No, I'm really excited about it. Oh, okay. (laughs) I thought you were like, ugh. Can't do it. No, I I was trying to be (laughs) subtle because I'm jumping in in the middle of a segment with random sangria and tidbits. Uh, (laughs) It's delightful. I knew I was forgetting something. I mean, every dog should have obedience training in the world no matter what. (laughs) There, I said it. I literally can't think of a single reason why a dog should not have obedience training. Yeah, me neither. Next on the list, a doggy backpack with a breakaway fastener so he doesn't get stuck. Which I really liked that tip because I wouldn't have thought specifically of the breakaway issue. Is that a thing that comes on backpacks? I don't know. It must be. I mean, it sounds like Peach has one. Let me Google it. I've used uh, I've used backpacks before with like some of my hikers. Um, I literally only hike them because I don't get any other exercise. And they're higher energy dogs. So like those hikers get backpacks because otherwise they're just unmanageable. (laughs) But I never thought about or paid attention to if any of them were breakaways. I think that would be kind of tricky because if you load it with like water and stuff, it gets kind of heavy. So it looks like breakaway is just like a a quick buckle. Okay. I like doggy backpacks. I don't typically take them on a normal hike, which a normal hike for me is like not ever going to be more than like three miles. So um, I don't really need my dog to carry their own stuff. But I have gone on more intense hikes with Mooney where I have him carry his own water and his own water bowl and his own poop bags and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely nice. Uh, I think especially too, if again, you're a normal person that just has one dog that you hike with regularly, and they're a little bit higher energy. But yeah, for a pack hike, we don't really need it so much. But do keep in mind that you don't want that to be too heavy, especially if your dog is not conditioned to carry something heavy. The last thing on the list is current vaccines and protection against fleas, ticks, and heartworm. That's another thing that never crossed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So in the desert, we're super spoiled in that we don't have flea ticks or really heartworm. It's surprising to me that you don't have ticks out there. It's too hot and then it's too cold. Wow. The glorious desert. I've never had to deal with either, thank goodness. But out in Michigan, apparently ticks are abundant. So I'm like overly cautious about it. Yeah. That would, yeah. I don't I don't know what I would do if I had to move to a place that had all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's something I would never think about. Like I know in like Arizona, Lyme disease is like super prevalent. And I'm not sure if that's a vaccine. I know there's not like a protection thing like fleas, ticks, and heartworm. But I think there's a vaccine for it. But yeah, that's something I would never think of. Current vaccines, that sort of thing. You're smart, mom. Oh, so smart. (laughs) So smart. (laughs) Any other things that we need to bring on the trail with us? A good attitude? Yeah. No. I guess we didn't really say it. I mean, we talked about it, but uh, poop bags for sure. Oh, yes. If you're hiking in the snow or maybe with like on a really hot day with pavement maybe you could think about dog boots oh yeah dog boots are a good idea the problem with dog boots is that you have to condition them to it so much yeah but definitely like noble needs boots if he goes hiking but he doesn't like hiking so it's fine yeah boots are a great idea i know uh in the winter when we'd go up to mount charleston in the snow i always made sure the dogs were wearing sweatshirts Rough wear, I know I brought it up a couple times, but they're like my favorite like hiking type brand. They have some really nice, like, I don't want to say thin, but like fleeces that are like built for hiking. So it's like not a big deal if they get wet or dirty or whatever. It's like they're meant to be worn outdoors by dogs. <laughs> so that is some important information about what to bring with you to the trail when you hike with your dog. We'll take a break here. And when we get back, we will talk about etiquette and safety on the hiking trail. Final margarita check. We all know how I feel. <laughs> how I feel about the sangria margarita, but how's yours? It's good. I I like it more now that I'm a little drunk. 
I have a goal of making you spit out your margarita once per episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's just great. I'm kind of mind blown about margarita sangria. Yeah, because usually for sangria, you would do like wine with some sort of liquor. I think sometimes it's like brandy and then with white wine, it's sometimes gin. So I was just like, I don't know, maybe tequila. It's just batshit crazy enough to work, you know? I'm keeping mine. I'm keeping mine the way it is. Um, so I tried it two ways because I, in Houston, we always had it with the blended lime and then the sangria just floating on top. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, but Jen that made the sangria was like, oh, no, I do it as a float where I pour the sangria and then scoop in the frozen margarita. So I tried oh. it both ways. I still like my way better. (laughs) I just like it. I like the aesthetics of it sitting on top. I like the way it blends. It's just, it's just great. I think that if I were to to try this one again, I would probably do the the sangria with, I would still probably do lemon, lime, and orange, but I would probably add something like peach or just something a little more, yeah, a little more nectary and sweet. Yeah, lemon lime orange doesn't even really sound good to me. I mean, that's what is in a normal margarita, but but not sangria. <laughs> I would also probably use something else besides Chardonnay. I just, I really don't like to go to the store and get more ingredients if I don't have to. And I had Chardonnay, so that's why I used it. Right. How far into your two glasses are you this time? I'm almost halfway through my second. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I would do anything different. It's just delightful, and I love everything about it. So let's get started talking about etiquette and safety on the hiking trail. So leashing up your dog, we've already talked about it, so I don't want to go too overboard. But keeping your dog on leash, even while hiking, is super important, whether it be for wild animals, or it just being the law, or not bothering other people, or damaging the terrain, My biggest thing is that, especially out here for some reason, or maybe it's universal, I don't know, but in Red Rock and Mount Charleston, which are like the two big hiking spots, at least once a month, I'll say, there's a missing dog. Oh, it was chasing a squirrel and it just never came back. (laughs) Like, people lose their dogs out there all the time because they take a dog that's not trained. And it just wanders off. I don't I don't even know how you lose a dog while you're hiking, but apparently it's a very prevalent problem. <laughs> well, this is one of those times where it's really important to note that if your dog can recall in your backyard, it does not mean your dog can recall on a hike. So you should be pretty sure before you go hiking that your dog will come back to you. Yeah. Well, and especially like Mount Charleston, there's cougars up there. Yeah. So like your dog's lost overnight up there. You better pray. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I see it all the time. Uh, I saw it this week. I can't remember if it was Red Rock or Mount Charleston, but like people's dogs just get lost all the time. Uh, A couple weeks ago, they had to trap a husky that was up there and he's wearing a harness, like wearing a hiking harness. And it took him a couple days to even trap it. Like it had just been living in Mount Charleston by itself and they caught it on like a trail camera or whatever. And then they had to go set traps and they caught and I'm like. It's wearing a harness. Obviously, someone lost it while it was hiking. Yeah. Are you kidding? That's the most husky thing I've ever heard. He's like, I just live here now. (laughs) Right? I'll have to send you the video. It's a cute husky. It was obviously well taken care of before it ran off into the woods. Uh, (laughs) Like, and I don't know. I never heard anything about an owner coming forward. So who knows? Nothing drives me nuts more. Like... You just don't care about your dog. I don't. (laughs) Or you just don't think about the fact that it has no idea to come back to you. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So I will go overboard on leashes. I will beat this horse (laughs) until it's long past dead. But so one reason that hardly ever comes up when we're talking about whether or not to leash up your dog. Like most people think like, well, if my dog will come back to me or whatever it is, if my dog's well behaved, then I should be able to have it off leash wherever. But what you're not thinking about is the people who are 
relying on that leash law to keep them and their dog safe. So Laura and I obviously work with a lot of behavior dogs and spoiler alert, they need to get out of the house too. And like, and they're like going to have a lot more behavior problems if they don't, like they need exercise, they need stimulation. And so if we're taking a behavior dog out on a walk where we're expecting to be able to rely on that leash law and you have your dog off leash, that is going to be a problem for our dog. Even if your dog doesn't run up to our dog's face. Like seeing an off-leash dog when you're on a leash makes you react a little bit more. Like it's hard. I'm never expecting there to not be off-leash dogs because there always are. But just in addition to just following the law for its own sake, just be courteous to other people. Be courteous to your fellow hikers who are not expecting to run into your off-leash dog. Don't put them in a precarious situation because you just don't feel like leashing up your dog. If it's a pain to walk your dog on a leash, then leash train your dog. Or go somewhere with off-leash allowances or something. So there's my little soapbox about putting your dog on a goddamn leash. And it's selfish. <laughs> and then uh, we can move on to whatever we have next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you just can't. You just can't say it enough. So a little bit about etiquette and trail etiquette is not letting your dogs approach other people or dogs uh, unless they explicitly say it's okay or unless you explicitly ask first. Not everybody loves dogs and that's fine. It is common courtesy to not have your dog go up to everyone. I don't usually have that issue when I'm hiking, but like at the vet's office, it's a big thing. Like everybody just lets their dog walk like because a lot of the times I'll be at the vet and I won't have a dog with me. Because I'm either paying the bill or whatever. And so people will just have their dogs like come right up to me and like put their head in my lap and be like, hi. <laughs> and I'm like, um, can you get your dog? <laughs> like, obviously I love dogs, but like, that's not okay. Yeah. It's just not. I mean, obviously at a vet's office, it's like, well, obviously we're all animal people, but still like. Maybe I have a hypoallergenic dog and I'm allergic to everybody else. You don't fucking know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of my biggest pet peeves. So etiquette is really big and just like staying on your side of the trail and passing politely. And two, when you're dealing with like horses and bikes and stuff like that, they generally have the right of way compared to uh, if you're just walking with a dog. Yeah. They're much faster. <laughs> Uh, general trail etiquette is just kind of, uh, give everybody their space and give the right away to anything faster than you, whether it be, uh, bike, horse, or just a very fast person. <laughs> Another point for safety is even if you're in an off-leash area, be aware of the terrain and whether your dog can handle being off-leash at that spot. So if there are big boulders or bodies of water or a cliff that your dog might chase a squirrel over or something... Uh, or just not be able to safely navigate, just put the leash back on, move on until you're safe from those sorts of things, and then take your dog back off. Yeah, so like Charlie, if we're anywhere near a body of water, Charlie's never off leash anyways, but like even when we're near a body of water, uh, it's dangerous regardless <laughs> because he will swim until he drowns and I will never be able to get him. So if we're like by a lake, I have to be super careful because he will swim out into the middle of it and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so even when he's swimming he's wearing his long line still he's never not <laughs> that's smart yeah i think that's like just generally smart for everybody yeah yeah he'll just swim across the ocean he doesn't give a shit he would die happy though <laughs> <laughs> um so especially out in the desert snakes are a really big concern so just knowing kind of like where you are there's certain areas that are more prevalent than others. Uh, red rock in particular is big time for snakes. Uh, so me personally, I am terrified of a dog getting bit by a snake. It's like one of my biggest fears. I do not hike red rock unless it is the winter. <laughs> That's a hard and fast rule for me. Everybody says I'm overreacting. I don't care. Not doing it. <laughs> Well, especially when you have that many dogs, it's hard to make sure that everyone is safe. Well, and like it was um, like April, so it wasn't even snake season yet. And I guess it was the beginning of snake season. But uh, we pulled up to the trailhead and the, there were girls that had just started on the trail right when we were parking. And they came back and I was like, 
you guys just left. What's up? She's like, uh, there's a snake in the middle of the trail. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm a go. I'm never coming back ever. Uh, <laughs> generally, yeah, snakes are going to leave you alone. They're not trying to come after you. Snakes are cool. I don't mind snakes, but <laughs> I'm going out in their terrain. Yeah. And I ain't trying to fuck with it. <laughs> yeah. And a rattlesnake bite is not a joke. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. especially the small dogs could die really easily. Yeah. The big dogs could die too. Don't get me wrong. But like, these aren't my dogs also. Like, yeah. it's not, I'm not hiking my personal dog. So I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to do any of that. So yeah, snakes are my big thing. Paw protection is my other thing. Uh, I took Noble for his very first hike. And it was like a four mile hike, which it was easy. It was completely flat. It was wide, all of that. So I didn't really think anything of it. He tore off every single paw pad. Oh, poor baby. And this is, yeah, this is a hike that I have done with multiple dogs, multiple times. It's my favorite hike. It's a hike we went on. Okay. Yeah. So like it's four miles, but it doesn't feel like four miles. Yeah. It's pretty flat Um, and it's all pavement. Yeah. It's not pavement, but it's like paved dirt. Yeah. And so like I didn't think twice about it. And then all of a sudden we're like halfway back to the car and I notice he's limping and I'm like, that's and every single foot is just bloody. Oh. And he's a hundred plus pounds. I can't carry him. So he just had to gimp his way back to the car and I felt terrible. And then he couldn't walk for two days. That's like a good point that I forgot to bring up. And that also I'm surprised my mom didn't write it down. But she has had a couple issues with Peach hiking. And then she finally realized that the commonality between all of them was when Peach goes somewhere where she can go swimming. So if um, if the dog like goes swimming and gets the paw pads wet and then goes like hiking on that rough terrain, it's so much easier to rip the paw pads. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, paw protection is a big one. I think universally, no matter where you live, I think that's a pretty big concern. Yeah, it can be weather related or terrain related or amount of time spent hiking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, overheating, which is mostly a desert thing, I think, but overheating is a big one we tried to go hiking in i think it was like may so it wasn't even really summer yet but we were at a trail that had zero shade and we had a black dog (laughs) and about a quarter mile from the car like i started getting nervous like he was panting hard he was beat red and my friend had to literally carry him back to the car because i was like panicking (laughs) um so overheating is a big 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 one even if you don't think it's a big deal, just take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that you really recover from heat stroke. Uh, I mean, even the dogs that I know that have been hospitalized right away, they've still died. I mean, heat stroke is serious and it's easier to get than you think. I always thought it was like kind of like a, an urban legend a little bit, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> It is not, especially out here in the desert. Like, it's crazy. So, yeah, just snakes or any sort of wildlife, wherever you are, pop attraction, and then overheating, and then also, I guess, being too cold. But if you're hiking, really, they don't really have a chance to get cold, so. Yeah. Well, um, and so out here, something that I had to learn about, because I'm not from a place where it snows a lot, but out here in Michigan, it does snow a lot, is that what, what they use to salt the roads is not good for your dog. So it can like tear up their paw pads, but also if they, they then lick their paws, it's not healthy to ingest it. Yeah, I know something that they use in winter a little bit more, because really, I mean, I don't think you need boots or I feel like more for terrain and more for summer. But for snow, they don't necessarily need boots. I mean, it helps. But I think uh, most of the people I know that live in snowy terrains just use, like, an ointment. Musher secret? Yeah. And so, and it's supposed to help because, like, with a fluffy dog, they get snow, like, impacted in their fur, in the fur in between their paw pads, and that can cause some issues. And I think mushers is supposed to, like, help deter that and then obviously just protect the actual pads themselves. Yeah. And then another cold weather thing that we don't think about. So my dogs are both husky mixes, so I don't have to think about it a ton. But if you need to bundle up for your hike, then your dog probably also does need to bundle up for your hike. Like, Balto's double-coated. Never have to put a sweater on him, really. But if you have a short hair dog like a pit bull or, I mean, any kind of short hair dog, you're going to want to. Dobermans. 
put a little vest on them to keep them warm. Every dobe I've had gets so cold. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're hiking, you're doing physical activity, so they don't need like a massive coat or anything unless you're in the snow. But like I said, Roughwear has those like thinner fleece ones that are built for outdoor activity. So it's not like heavy duty. It's not going to be cumbersome, but it will keep them warm when you're out there for a few hours. Yeah. And then the only other big like etiquette and safety thing is don't mess with any wildlife, even if it's not like a snake or anything. Just chipmunks. Like don't let your dog be chasing chipmunks or whatever. It's just not nice. Don't do it. (laughs) Leave them alone. So the last point from Kim is to keep your dog on the trail. So even if you're in in an off-leash area, if there is a trail of some sort, keep your dog on the trail. And here is Kim's information about why this is important. Dogs can trample meadows, tundra, and other fragile vegetation or ecosystems. They may leave biological wastes close to water sources or near places where humans can be impacted. Also, dogs may do harm to small living animals that are part of the wilderness ecosystem. Many things off trail are fragile and can be permanently damaged with even one step of your foot or your dog's foot. I think that about wraps it up. Our seventh episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs or on my website, MissLilysDogs.com or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash Dogs. <laughs> This is our official endorsement for the Sangria Margarita. (laughs) Okay. It's it's gonna be fun. (laughs) I don't want to edit this. Okay, here we go. Do you want to re-say that or you're good? I think we're good. Where can they find you, Laura? And you can find me on Instagram at properpupperslv and my website, properpupperslv.com. In our next episode, we will be drinking Thanksgiving margaritas and talking about behavior dogs. Next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at dogaritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at dogaritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us.